I am Thomas Solomon, and you are listening to the VO2 Podcast. In my recent series on cold exposure, I touched on the dive response and breath holding. A couple of weeks ago, Alex Hutchinson released an article describing how sea divers and those who have used breath holding methods fared well on long duration, multi-day, slow moving, very high altitude ascents by seemingly acclimating rapidly to the high altitude exposure. At that time, I wanted to follow up on his article because this summer some of my athletes were to be headed to various parts of Europe to compete in long-distance trail races and obstacle course races at moderate to high altitudes. Consequently, a few people asked me, should I start breath hold training? Unfortunately, in the face of COVID-19-induced interruption, as well as the postponement of all races, this issue was not at the top of my list. But finally... Here are my thoughts. Breath holding, medically known as apnea, has been vastly studied in humans and comparatively with other species. Marine mammals have phenomenal capacities for breath holding underwater. Fun-loving dolphins can dive underwater while being active for up to 10 minutes, while sperm whales can dive for over an hour. Yes, elite apneists have been documented to hold their breath on land at rest for over 11 minutes. But, on average, us humans, even of the Phelps variety, are a little deficient underwater. The reason breath hold training might be of interest to endurance athletes is that apnea, i.e. 3-5 to five maximal breath holds with 2 minute intervals of recovery, when combined with face immersion in cold water, decreases arterial oxygen levels, causing the spleen to contract. This rapidly increases blood levels of haemoglobin, the oxygen-carrying protein, and erythropoietin, EPO, which stimulates the production of our haemoglobin-carrying red blood cells. These effects characterise what we call the dive response. While the effects of the dive response are seen in trained divers apneists and untrained regular folk, they are short-lived and levels of haemoglobin and EPO reside to normal levels within minutes. Because repeated apneas in cold conditions cause splenic contraction and increase oxygen availability to tissues, it is of great interest as to whether breath hold training can improve exercise performance. Yes, breath hold training can increase haemoglobin levels and, therefore, your blood might then be able to carry more oxygen and deliver it to tissues more efficiently. To then speculate that breath hold training will improve your running performance is appealing, but this would be a nonsensical wild leap because it has not been systematically studied. At present, research on breath hold training in relation to exercise performance is sparse. Firstly, Four maximal bouts of breath holding immediately prior to a 4km time trial was not found to change performance in seven cyclists. While three months of breath hold training in four swimmers increased lung capacity and VO2 peak during cycling, 
Yes, that's right, cycling, not swimming, but did not improve front crawl swimming, front crawl swimming performance in a 50-meter time trial, although this time trial was done while the subjects held their breath. This limited data does not show promise for the utility of breath hold training in endurance athletes, but we must remember that studies are very small and rather unusually designed. At this time, the evidence shows that breath hold training may increase your ability to hold your breath and that cyclic hyperventilation combined with breath holding may increase your ability to withstand cold exposure. Breath hold training does not, however, appear to manifest improved endurance exercise performance. Consequently, breath hold training is not likely to be a good investment if you are seeking to improve your running performance. If you are fortunate enough to have 10 minutes spare a day to dedicate to additional training, I would strongly encourage favouring an extra 10 minutes a day of easy effort running instead of toying with methods that have an uncertain outcome. Why? Well, quite simply, because boosting your volume of low-intensity work is guaranteed to increase your endurance capacity with minimal stress helping to shuffle more oxygen to your muscles to facilitate greater fuel oxidation and ATP synthesis for when you need it during prolonged high-intensity efforts. Yes, you may have heard about how John Alban used to practice Wim Hof breathing every morning. But remember, he was already a multiple world champion before starting that practice. If you are not at the pinnacle of world-class human performance, Focus on optimising all of your training ingredients that will have benefit before reaching for the unknowns that might exert a marginal gain. So that's all from me. Thanks for listening and until next time, keep active, stay well and keep training smart. Sometimes I mention brands and products. I am not sponsored by or receiving advertisement royalties from any brands. Any recommendations I make are and always will be based on my own views and opinions. I have conducted biomedical research for which I have received funding from publicly funded national research councils and medical charities, but also from private companies including Novo Nordisk, AstraZeneca, Amelin, AP Muller Foundation and Augustinus Foundation. These companies had no control over the research design, data analysis or publication outcomes of my work.